0: Welcome to the Twinkle Talks EYFS podcast. Working in the early years is busy, funny, messy, and exhausting. Join me, Shana, and the rest of the Twinkle EYFS team as we talk honestly about our experiences as practitioners, teachers, and professional nappy changers Whether you're listening to increase your CPD hours or catching up on our antics whilst driving home from work, Twinkle EYFS will share everything you need to know about all things early years. Hello lovely listeners, it's great to be here with you again and I am so excited for today's episode. We have our first special guest and boy does she have an amazing amount of expertise to share with us all about resilience but before we get into that let's start with our fun segment of praise a practitioner <music> helen aka helen's house Childminding, would like to give a shout out to her assistant darcy She said it's because she has been with me full time for around five months now and is such a help and so good with the children. Vicky would like to give a shout out to Christina. She's such a great team player and so amazingly, brilliantly, naturally fantastic with the children. Never had such a fab team. Thank you for everything you do. And Sarah, May, Olivia and Ellie would like to give a shout out to each other for all bringing their A game right now. Tune in next time for some more Praise of Practitioners and don't forget to nominate your colleagues too. Amazing! Well done everybody! It's so nice to hear what you guys have been up to and all of the successes and how you have been taking care of each other. That's what it's all about, isn't it? And it fits really nicely, actually, into our topic today. We have a extra special guest, Samantha Jaya Saria, here to talk to us about resilience. So Without further ado, let's bring her in. So we have the lovely Sam with us. It's so great to have you here. Thank you so much for coming on to
1: the podcast.
0: And I thought it'd be really good for um, us to get to know you before, before we begin. So why don't you tell us about yourself?
1: Hello, hello, hello. It's so lovely to be here. And I, I am genuinely so excited to be talking to you. And I can see you, Shana. I know the others can't, but <laughs> can hear us, What? it's so lovely to see you. Um my name is Sam Jayasuria. Uh it's funny actually because if you'd asked me that maybe 10 years ago, I'd have said, Oh, it's Samantha Jayasuria. But I've definitely just gone to Sam now. Uh I've got, I've got a little bit, a little bit more casual in my old age. <laughs> Sam Jayasuria, and I'm a leadership energy coach. And my background actually is in education. I was 30 years in school. Um, I was 20 years ahead in three different schools. I had this ambition to be ahead by the time I was 40. I was ahead at 34. Wow. Maybe, maybe it was a bit too young. I don't know. It it worked. So I was ahead at 34. Then I did a co-headship for five years. Um, Then I did a full-time headship for another five years and I finished my time in education with another co-headship, which was fabulous. And I absolutely loved working as a co-head um, in both times and with both of those leaders who were amazing. Yeah, now I work as a full-time coach, full-time coach and trainer. And it wasn't because I hated headship or hated being in school or anything to do with that. It was I just absolutely loved the skill of, uh, of, of being a coach. I loved being a coach. I trained to be a coach whilst I was a head teacher. Um, And I trained to be a coach because I recognised that the resilience levels of many of the people who were entering teaching, you know, from university or or after their gap years or whatever, was quite low. And there was something going on that wasn't that wasn't right. And I didn't think the CPD that was being offered really hit what was going on for these particular people. Mm -hmm. And some of them chose to leave very quickly, because something wasn't quite right for them, and I absolutely get that some of them were leaving because actually they didn't really need to leave the profession. they just probably needed to leave that particular institution and go somewhere else, mm. but there was no no guidance, no nothing to help and support teachers who felt like that to give themselves another opportunity, another space. There are thousands of schools in the u k you know, why is it that just one school can make or break a teacher? Yeah. You know, and I I fundamentally disagree with that piece. I think people need chances to learn and grow, just as we give children chances to learn and grow. And so coaching was a tool that I knew was very powerful. And I knew that because I was coached. I was coached in my first headship. I had a very forward-thinking, governing body. And this is in sort of like the early 2000s, um, who... Provided me with a coach, which was fabulous. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So I had an opportunity of having somebody independent of the school and the governing body to work with me who I could really open up and be quite um, honest with and reflect and reflect on what was going on with my workers ahead. Now, I know I can do that and I could have done that with people in my team, mm-hmm. but there is always an element that you hold back a little bit, particularly as a head. Yeah. And maybe for, for some of the listeners right now, you know, if you're phase leaders or your early years practitioner lead, leads, it's it's quite hard sometimes to just share everything with your team,
0: mm-hmm.
1: particularly when you may be party to. Some staffing issues that might be coming up, or budget constraints, or falling roles. You know, and you don't want to unsettle your your team. So, being able to express some of that to a coach mm. who doesn't give you any answers because they don't know your 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 working environment is a chance for you to process what you need to do next. Yeah, yeah. So, had I say, I had a coach when I was in my first headship, and then I had a coach in my third headship. In between, I knew that I wanted to be a coach, didn't quite know how and when or what avenue i would take but i just it was there i just parked it and just carried on holding that ambition but not actually putting it into practice and then in my third headship i had a coach again um and recognized actually this is what i absolutely love about working with people is getting the best out of them Mm. whether it's the children whether it's the staff whether it's the governors whether it's a parent you know, is actually getting the best out of other people. Yeah.
0: And I have to say that we have to we have to admit something to our listeners, Sam, because we know each other, don't we? We know each other. We absolutely do. And the way we know each other is that Sam doesn't just help leaders in education. Um, the first time we uh, collaborated together was you and my coach when I was an NQT. And you're so right that, you know, having that outside, that external voice, that external person to talk to about your practice, your journey, your experiences is so important because whether you're in a leadership role or you're just as a teacher, you you still, it still is a leadership role, isn't it? Because you are managing and leading a class that that there are some things that you do hold back and it's really good to get that impartial voice that doesn't know necessarily what's going on in your practice, but is there to 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 focus on you and to get Mm -hmm. you to focus on you and really grow you as a person. And that is exactly what you did for me. So as soon as I knew that we were having a podcast, I was like, right, (laughs) get in contact with Sam (laughs) immediately because I truly believe that what you did for me was pivotal to helping me internalise and and self-reflect because quite often it's really easy to get caught up in, well, especially in the climate that, that education is in at the moment, to look at what is going wrong externally and feel like you're out of control. Yes. And and what you're doing and what your practice is and what your coaching is, is that actually you're helping us to take back that control and say, you know what, okay, these are going, this is what's going on outside, but what can I do internally? And I just think that is so powerful and so important. And I agree with you. I feel like it is something that's really missed when, um practitioners and teachers do their training it's we have to look after ourselves to in order to look after our children our team and resilience is the key word
1: here isn't it so absolutely absolutely it is resilience. but i love i'm just going to go back a little bit to what you were saying you know about looking after ourselves and knowing ourselves and that's the key bit i think that there's um many of us, we kind of like trundle through life, you know, we go, we do our A-levels, and then we go and do our degree, and then we think, oh, we're going to do a B-Ed, or we might do a PGC, or whatever it is, Mm -hmm. but we don't stop and just go, hold hold on, you know, how is this, why why is this, why is this working for me? One of the most powerful questions I used to ask people at interview was, you know, what was your experience, your experience like at school, and how has that shaped, how has that shaped you Mm -hmm. as a teacher now? And that, it wasn't a question that we could grade or give like you know oh that's a great answer or not it was it was actually just stopping people and think and making them think what 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 is what is bringing me here Mm -hmm. and just having an opportunity to just stop and pause through coaching what's bringing me me here what's keeping me here how are my values matching with this school values Mm -hmm. how are my strengths being um utilized how am I utilizing my strengths you know what what am I bringing to the party here? What what can I bring? And actually, you we individually can bring so much. We we do this so well with children.
0: Yeah, we
1: yeah. there's like um there's like a sort of a, a schism somewhere, and and it all like all falls away. Yeah. When does what does that happen? I'm not quite sure. But no. through coaching, it's a chance for us to go. Hold on. This is who I am. This is who I this is who I am as a leader in this class. Whether I'm an NQT, whether I'm a phase leader, whether I've been working in this school for 30 years, this is who I am now. This is what I can bring. And that is a very powerful, that's the power bit you were talking about. That's the power that I will, I think th- when people are coached, there's a, a re, um, like the power comes back to them. Yeah. And, I'm not, and not to say, no, I'm not going to do that and being a difficult member of staff, but actually saying, I, I can do this. This is something I want to do as well. Yeah. And I have the capability. So that's that piece in terms of resilience is really knowing yourself.
0: Yeah. I feel like you've already answered my question because I feel like the word resilience gets thrown around so much, but
1: mm.
0: what is it what does it actually mean?
1: So I use the definition from there's a resilient I'm a, I'm a resilience engine practitioner oh <laughs> <That sounds amazing. laughs> uh, so I've done I've done a, a substantial piece of training around resilience and the work comes from Jenny Campbell <clears throat> and it's a piece of research that she carried out over 10 years this book um it's very it's, I'm gonna give you the books links for your notes for the show notes yes please it's called the resilience dynamic um, Jenny Campbell is the author She's the CEO for Office Company that runs Resilience Engine Practice. Now, when you do, when you when you train to be a Resilience Engine Practitioner, it's not just a one-off piece of training that you do, and that's the end of it. You belong to that community. You have supervision. You are, um, you know, you're you. You have to kind of carry on with your own professional development throughout. You have to reaccredit every couple of years. <clears throat> All too often, I see pieces of training which sort of tap into resilience but then there's nothing underneath so this has got this is a piece of training with substance and maybe this is this is a nod to my head teachers day head teacher days um i want to have something that's got a bit of substance underneath it so it's got some theory some research it's 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 got scientific methods um aligned with it before i will then work with that particular tool or or practice but um, the definition for resilience I, we use, or we, the resilience engine practitioners use, is it's our ability to adapt and our capacity to change. It is not just about bouncing back. Mm. If you bounce back after a really tricky situation, you're just going to be back in exactly the same place and you have not done any learning. That is not a resilient person. It is not just bouncing back. It is the ability to adapt And it's it's how you know how adaptable are you, and some people are not that they're not so adaptable. So in terms of helping them to be adaptable, we build in capacity for change. Right now, we build the capacity for change through. So the four key enablers of resilience are energy, uh, being present, having a clear purpose, and learning. Fantastic. That's those are the those are the four ones. And so for practitioners your earliest practitioners who might be listening to this this um, podcast you know the quickest way that you can kind of boost your own resilience is focus on your energy Mm -hmm. so the energy piece is all about um, being physically mentally emotionally spiritually aware that's what we want we want to work on those four tenets of, of energy and when you're thinking about your physical energy you can think about things that you're doing inside and out of school outside school you might be going jogging or you might be doing a fitness class or you might be doing you know what is it you do you do <laughs> uh I do uh aerial classes um aerial classes right or you might do um pilates or yoga or whatever it is you you decide what you're going to do so in terms of your physical energy you could do that in school too You know, you don't have – I mean, I I could imagine early years of practitioners rolling their eyes now saying, Sam, come on, we are super (laughs) physical in early years. Yeah, (laughs) we don't stop. (laughs) Absolutely. And the fact, actually, it's very rare that you'd come in – I'd go go into an early years setting and have people just sitting down. Right. They would be on the floor. They'll be, you know, I know, jumping outside on the skipping ropes. Yeah. They're definitely – I know that you would all be doing a lot of stuff but having that those sort of thinking about your physical energy even in terms of the functional movements that you're doing every day so setting up your room in the morning you know you might be carrying the tough trays outside you may be you know moving around the classroom and moving stuff around at the end of the day sweeping the floor i mean everybody does this sweeping the floor and tidying up the room mm-hmm. the functional movement is supporting your physical resilience levels does that make sense? Yeah, it does actually. Yeah. yeah. And then within the working day, you know, okay, you head off if you're lucky to the staff room and sit down and have lunch. Or maybe you can just go for a walk around, walk around the playground, walk around the grounds if you're lucky to have them, walk up, you know, walk up the street. But those little tiny little steps help build your resilience in terms of physical resilience.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah. And then you kind of go through the other things, you know, mental, emotional, spiritual. They're going to say, how do we we boost our spiritual um, energy, Sam? Yeah. Well, that's a nice, easy one. I think actually early years have it so easy in terms of that one, because you're constantly outside. You are, you've got the outdoor classrooms. You're constantly outside. You're always looking up at the sky. There's always going to be somebody walking around saying this, what's this, or... I found this and look at this bug and look at this flower. There'll be children drawing your attention to the natural beauty around you. Mm. So in terms of your spiritual well being, those are little drops of joy mm-hmm. that you can just capture for yourself as well as the child is capturing for them for themselves.
0: Yeah. It's almost like
1: grounding, isn't it? Yes. That's a really good thing. I'm glad you said that. Well, I learned from the best, Sam. I learned from the best. Yeah. So as, as, as we're talking, I've just noticed my feet as we've been talking and I had them kind of sort of propped up on each other. They weren't sort of on the ground properly. So now I've put them on the ground and now I'm feeling my toes. This is the quickest way to build your resilience. It's just ground yourself. Yeah so if you're standing outside in the playground and you're on duty and you're just feeling yourself a little bit not quite with it just notice your toes and then take your attention through just do a quick little body scan and you're here right here you're not floating in space and that way you're noticing your body how your body is taking up space in the world mm. and for children often they don't they don't recognize that for little children as well yeah, and that's when you get the sort of the biting and the fighting and the scuffling. They don't recognise the they don't recognise how their bodies move through the space. So we can model that as as leaders, as mm. all of you are who work in early years are leaders in your own right. You model that by showing them how how your body takes up space. That will help them be a more resilient young person as well, for sure.
0: I think as well, it's quite often because we see ourselves as facilitators, as leaders, and we put our children first, it's really easy to forget us, isn't it? And put ourselves on the back burner. Mm-hmm. Uh, and these the kind of things that you're suggesting is... Is very much like, no, hang on, you hold space too, and that's important. So, yeah, yeah, like you say, bringing yourself back to the importance of your physical body, your your energy, your Mm. your values, your importance is a really good way to be like, just to like you say, ground and kind of get back to that inner equilibrium.
1: Yes, and I and I have coached and worked with, you know, worked with as a head and coached now as a coach many um, people in education who well, it, it feels like they're they're not quite sure of who they are so they hide and they and so um. that hiding bit and that comes across as a lack of confidence possibly in front of the class, in front of a group in front of the class there's a sort of yeah and that's not and there is a sort of um maybe they may be slightly more introvert in their nature but that doesn't in terms of grounding when I've talked just that simple body scan that I've just shared with you Those are some of the tools and techniques that I can I can share with my clients as well that help them take up that take up space and remind them of their worth. Yeah. So you can be quiet and, and, you know, less loud, Mm. but you are still worthy of being in that room. So this is all about building a bit of self. This is the work we do around self-esteem. Yeah. So sometimes that quietness and shyness comes through a lack of self-esteem. Sometimes it comes through because actually that's just their personality. But actually learning some of those techniques, help them take up, you know, take be in the space, be the lead practitioner with that group, help those children flourish. Because mm-hmm. that's the bottom line, isn't it? The bottom line for me coaching education leaders is children are going to, the, the impact is going to be on the children. For sure. Because you will walk through the door. And you will be a more confident person. There'll be clarity in your delivery. You know, you'll have a calmness about you that will regulate the team. And the calmness won't be a flat calmness. It will be a positive calmness. There's going to be a warmth from you that will regulate the energy of everybody around you. Everybody around you is going to pick up that you're in a good place. When you're in a good place, your children are going to be in a good place. You know, we all know this. The, um, so if I wouldn't go into school with a big bag, bad headache and, and um, tell the children because they would know yeah. as soon as I walked in the door. They would know from the pace of my step. They would know from maybe a little bit of like a, a soreness on my face They like, might, you know, the furrowed brow. Yeah. I, they would feel it from me because we have something called a felt sense. Mm. And our felt, we can feel the energy of other people. For sure. So being able to, reg, you know, come to work or regulated, well regulated through working on your energy so that you are then present with your class. You know your key purpose. So I'm here in this building because I want to work with children. And that taps into maybe another another purpose in my life. Um, and, then the, and then the learning is about your learning about yourself.
0: I think it's really interesting as well, because as you're talking, what kind of things it is also bringing up for me is, Sometimes, as practitioners, as teachers, we feel lost. And that really resonates with me because this might be true for some of our listeners as well, but I am an introvert. I much prefer reading a book or I get, you know, I I enjoy socialising, but it takes energy away from me. I need to have some some alone time to recharge. That's just, you know, how I am. And being in early years, that's virtually impossible. Okay, kids are... (laughs) They are loud. They are fun. They are vibrant. And I would actually often find myself putting on a character. Me, Shana, I am an introvert. I like this. I like this is how I behave. But as Miss Walker, as a teacher, my personality was very different because I felt that I needed to change my energy in order to Um, resonate and relate to my children and to keep up with them and everyone would usually say oh my gosh Shoshana you're so (laughs) you're so Mm -hmm. goofy and out there I used to get loads of comments like oh you should be a CBeebies presenter and I'm like that's Miss Walker that's not me and I think it's quite it's quite easy for practitioners to to feel that and get lost in that personality because it is kind of for some of us a performance Mm -hmm. and that has a knock-on effect on our resilience because i would spend so much of my energy on the day trying to be this fun exciting uh, practitioner yeah and then when i got home i would be like oh okay i'm just gonna get in a blanket and watch netflix for three hours and not talk to a single soul <laughs> so that affects our resilience as well obviously it's not for everyone yeah. some people it is just their personality and it's great but for others yeah you know, we do have to change.
1: Absolutely, and just think about the children in your your early year settings. They're going to be a mixture too, so there will be some mm. more extrovert children in that group, and there may be some more introvert people in that group. And so that's in if the way that you, as practitioners, will set up your room, is that there all there will be spaces that those children who are more extrovert can head to, and there'll be ones who are more introvert, or there may be the ones who flit in between. And that's the same for us in school. And that's about the school environment Mm. as a whole. So looking at your school environment. So if you are a listener here, and you're, you know, a head teacher, or you're, or um, an early years lead manager of a unit, where is it that your staff can refresh themselves? Mm -hmm. Because part of being a resilient person is that you need to know what refreshes you. Yeah. So what refreshes you? So uh, in terms of, so for, your, for you, maybe, Shana, you might need to have a space in the staff room which is actually quiet, where, where it's a quiet space.
0: Indeed, where I can have a nap, that'd be great.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. But but I, and I, but also being able to have the confidence to say, do you know what, peeps, I'm going to have to be quiet now. Mm. And that is a, that's a sign of a resilient team, a team who can talk to each other at that level and say, right now, I need some quiet time. Right now, I need to just go off and have a chat with somebody else in another year group. Mm. Right now, you know, this is what I need and being able to articulate it without it sounding like you're cross. yeah or you know you've had your, your nose put out of joint in some way. I just need this. I'm okay, but I need to refresh myself in this way. So' actually using that term. I need to refresh myself right now. Mm. Um, I need to I need to renew myself right now. whatever it is, Whatever sounds right for you, Find a way of expressing that to your team. Mm,
0: That's a really good point, actually.
1: And actually, sit down over a cup of tea or coffee or any other beverage, but maybe not wine. (laughs) Maybe not at lunchtime. You know, not at lunchtime. (laughs) Definitely not lunchtime. And and talk about you know how what what you know what what drives you. You know, do you need that bit of quiet? Do you need a bit of you know bubble? You might be surprised, like like you've just said, you have the Miss Walker persona. And people might think, "Oh, yeah, you know, Shana extrovert. She's always here." Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. But when you have shared now as to your listener, to your listeners, that's not the case. If you were working in a school, you could actually articulate, "I need a bit of quiet time now," because you don't want to go home and collapse mm. because you have another life after work. Oh, do we, Sam? Do we? Yes, you do. <laughs> you do. And that's about again. This is about. This is about. Um, resilience again, because the barriers to resilience are having no boundaries. That's the key one, mm. no boundaries. And unfortunately, I do on I do know this: that the school systems and the and the nursery systems pull on our pull on our time, our mm-hmm. outside work time. There's 168 hours in a week. Yeah. So, p- listeners, 168 hours in a week. I want you to take away a 10 hour working day however many hours that adds up to, plus the um, plus time that you sleep, and then look at the rest of the time that you've got there. What are you doing? Now, if you can see yourself just doing more work, how can you take that back? How can you take a little bit back? How can you shave some things off? What could you do? This is about time management here. And and one of the things about that I, I, I know this is a kind of a, a given pretty much for most educational professionals I work with, you are people who love to give. Mm-hmm. um You are people. We are people who love to give and love to support and love to help. There is a giving, a giving nature, I think, to the majority of people who work in schools. Mm-hmm. But actually, the giving bit has to come to you as well. That whole bit about there's, oh, there's no I in team. You know so that that makes people feel guilty when they think about themselves. Yeah, there's the guilt bit. You need to get rid of the guilt strip back, look at your time, 168 hours. Where am I giving, what what am I, what am I using that time for? Put in eating, by the way, please. (laughs) Eating needs to be in there. Self-care as in showering and bathing needs to be in there. For sure. And then just start to take two small steps, small steps. Yeah. Can you get back your Friday evening? Can you get back the whole of Saturday?
0: Yeah, it's, I'm just aware of our listeners who have kids as well like I'm lucky I don't have children and so Mm. I you know I do have more time than than other practitioners and I just think how challenging it is for Mm. parents and carers uh, who are also earliest
1: practitioners where do they find the time, Sam? where do they find the time well again knowing people that I work with right now they will be the parent mum dad you know to their child and then once they're in bed they end up staying up till really late so for those people as well i'm absolutely I'm, it is not right so it's about how you're using your time in the day do you need to tell everybody everything mm. you know are there smarter ways of you communicating some of the information Without overloading people through WhatsApp groups and and email. You know, the emails that we send, I mean, schools send an awful lot of emails. Mm. And school leaders send a huge amount of of emails. Maybe the emails need to stop at six o'clock. You might choose to write an email late at night. If you choose to do that, it doesn't get sent. Mm -hmm. You, You schedule send every email, whatever it's Google Mail or Outlook or whatever, has schedule send. You don't send emails in the middle of the night. You don't send emails after six o'clock and they just come at eight o'clock. So then people know, Okay, there might be an email at eight o'clock in the morning. Then I'll look then. Mm -hmm. You know, so you you just use some of the tools that these tech companies have given to us that we completely, uh, completely ignore. Meeting times, because I know that early years leaders often have a lot of meetings. I would put an extra 10 minutes on your meeting time, not for you to carry on talking for 10 minutes, Mm -hmm. but you have 10 minutes when you can just reflect for yourself. What are the outcomes of that meeting? What do I need to do next? Do I need to send a quick email? Do I need to make a quick phone call to somebody? That's a good idea, yeah. Yeah, in fact, my meeting time, so I, when I coach, I usually coach for, it's normally an hour. I do go, I do, do, for some people, an hour and a half. But I have on my calendar, I've got, a, I've got a, a, an automatic hour and a half for any meeting. Any meeting I put in, so say for this meeting, for our, I put in, it comes up as an hour and a half. I can change that because I, I know it won't be that long, but then I'm, I'm in control then. And if other people are in control of your calendar, early years leaders, you ask them to have that hour and a half there as well or whatever you choose to have for your meetings. Yeah. And this is a way, and then I work with business leaders, you know, I work with CEOs in big companies, and they will do this. And they are as busy in their world as people in school, and they will put in that little, that piece of reflection time. And that's the bit of pause time. That's when you can boost your resilience as well. Because in that 10 minutes, you go, okay, how am I now? Do I need to eat something? Do I need to go to the toilet? Mm -hmm. I bet some of you don't even remember to go to the toilet. No, no. (laughs) Yeah. So what do I need to attend to myself right now that will make me a better person for the next thing that I go into? That's really important. I sound like I'm lecturing people and I don't mean to at all. No, I don't think you are. These are are the things that I think um, are so important that any of my ex-members of staff who are listening, they will know as a head i signposted this really clearly i'm somebody who absolutely needs to have lunch Mm -hmm. and my blood sugar goes down i get really ratty if i don't eat regularly Mm -hmm. so i communicated that to everybody (laughs) so the office staff knew knew that obviously my deputy knew that senior leadership team knew that the children knew it i told the children Mm. so actually just sharing that meant that I could have lunch and many, many, many times I would eat lunch with the children or I'd have lunch in the staff room with my colleagues or I'd make lunch and and then pull in some of my (laughs) members of staff who found it really hard to have lunch to eat lunch together.
0: Mm.
1: And that helped, that really helped me and it helped the team dynamic as well.
0: I was going to ask as well, obviously with everything that's gone on in the past couple of years mm. have you and your coaching clients seen a, a change in the way resilience is viewed or actually just how things how resilience in their workplace has changed because of covid
1: there's a there's definitely obviously not just i don't think it's just with covid because prior to that there was you know there's has been a huge push on staff well-being mm. um i think there's been a a shift in terms of people taking more, paying more attention to themselves and what they need. What's kind of missed a little bit is the team resilience piece. Yeah. And I think that's definitely something I pick up when I work with groups and, and with, with senior leadership teams or with school groups is how, how do we actually work on the team resilience? And it is slightly different. So, yes, there's the whole, you know, key enablers for ourselves, energy, learning, purpose and being present. And then with the team, it's how how we are collaborating together. What good qualities we are, what what are my best qualities as a team member? That was another question I always asked. Any interviews I did over the last for 20 years, what good qualities do you have as a team member?
0: remember that question when we were doing our coaching yeah. and I think I remember I really struggled with it <laughs> I was like yeah. I don't know I can tell you all the things I'm terrible at though
1: <laughs> and isn't that the way that yeah. we always go to our, our weaknesses rather than our strengths yeah but actually the strengths of the team what 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 qualities do I have as a team member Yep. Yeah? Mm. and each of us have different qualities that we bring in your early years team you're going to have a range Of things that people will share Mm. then you utilize that that is how you utilize those those that those qualities and those strengths to really build team resilience so i think there's a little bit there again about articulating it is articulating stuff that we kind of sort of know but we never really say Mm -hmm. and if you say it then then there's a, not that that, that person's going to be burdened with always being the one who's sort of cheerleading yeah. or always being the one who does the spreadsheet or always being the one who, um, you know, who's, I don't know, whatever, whatever roles there is in a, in a team, you know, but we share it. Mm. And actually, in sharing your team strengths, you will see the team weaknesses. You will notice what the team weaknesses are, mm. and in doing in noticing that, then you you put in some things to overcome uh, compensate for those weaknesses. Okay, people, we really love getting our heads into the creating bit, but nobody ever seems to make a decision. So let's do some of that creative brainstorming now for fifteen minutes. And Shana, you're going to be the one who's going to pull us up after 15 minutes to say okay what are we going to do
0: that's really interesting and it's quite important isn't it because often say if you are a leader or a nursery manager you often feel that you have to do everything but actually and then on the and on the flip side perhaps if you have a manager you feel like maybe you can't do as much because it's not your place I've got my fingers up in inverted commas here but actually you're right it's actually giving the power to everyone because as you say we all have value we all have something to bring to the table so it's really important to, yeah. as a leader, give that space to your team, and as a team member, to feel like you have that space. So that's really important in resilience as well, isn't it?
1: Absolutely. And then that way, those people, everybody in the team has got a voice. Everybody in the team has got, um, as you say, a space at the table, and it's really, and it's it's noticed. And it, you will feel, you know, say you were if you're an NQT or a student working in the class. They'll have amazing new ideas and um, sort of experiences that they can offer that somebody who may have been working in the unit for say twenty years might not have ever had. Sure, sure. May not have ever had. So, what makes one person's view better than another? Does it? Mm. Is it always through years of experience? I don't. I don't. I don't believe that. Mm, mm. My son is eighteen. Can teach me so much. so <laughs> 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 yeah. much. And a small child of three can teach us so much.
0: Exactly. Because
1: their view of the world is so different to ours, but it is it is equally important.
0: I, I just want to put my hands up and say amen. But that is, yeah. yeah. And I think we all, we all feel that, don't we? Like Yeah. And that's what we all try and do as practitioners, is we know how important our children's voice are. And we spend so much time, you know, whether it's through planning, whether it's through, you know, other things that we do, that we put our children's voices first. They are heard but guess what we've got to do it for us as well it's so easy to do it for other people and for our children but actually yes we we also have that space and we could also be facilitators because it's so naturally ingrained in the team we then naturally pop it in into um the way we behave with our children and we it just sort of flows doesn't it it's kind of like we build resilience in that team we make sure that everyone feels we have a voice And then we just do it with our children and then it it brings them up and we build resilience in them as well without Mm. really having to try and be like, right, today, children, we're going to learn about resilience. Or when your brick tower falls down, you're going to keep going. Like that's kind of the, the token things that we kind of fall to. The perseverance bit and the persistence bit. Yeah. And actually, it's so much more than that. And by doing it in your team, you're also doing it with, with your children just quite naturally because it's, it's like you say, it's that innate ability.
1: Absolutely. Which is just going to... And, and, you know, if you think about it, if you are really working on your own resilience, you're focused on, you know, just small drops you know i i will say this over and over again baby steps small drops little pieces mm-hmm. this isn't the you know you don't boost your resilience in one great big kind of like whoosh mm. it's it's you know small regular daily habits and it's those daily habits and those daily practices that's what builds the masterpiece you know you go back to an old you know leonardo da vinci you know he didn't paint the mona lisa just like that mm-hmm. um, and he didn't you know do all of his amazing work, works of art just like that. It was daily practice, and that's the same with resilience. It is daily habits, daily practice. That's what actually keeps our resilience level higher.
0: You've already spoken about the top four key resilience enablers, but I also found as well um, you talking about the five C's of authentic leadership. Is Do you want to elaborate on that?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my coaching model is all around the five C's. To really, when I work with leaders, really helping them sort of focus in who they are, we work on being curious, to really know yourself, to be courageous and motivate yourself. And you need to learn what motivates you and how to motivate yourself, to be creative, to enrich yourself, to use your community to support yourself. And that will bring around change, which is your future self. So I use those words I've used those words throughout the whole of my life. Um, In my last school, we use them quite regularly as um, words of the term um, (laughs) that came through. And I poured them into my own coaching model that I use all the time. Those are the words that I live my life by. So, you know, if I'm feeling, you know, a little bit lonely, out of sorts, not quite right, you know, I think about my community, who in my community community can support me now is it somebody in my family is it somebody in, in a friendship group is it somebody of my work colleagues who who can what can I do how can I use my community to support others and then support myself go and doing a bit of shopping for somebody yeah. helping somebody out with something you know it's a it's that sense being curious is key though I always start with being curious because I want people to start to unpick some of these Notions that they hold about themselves weigh them down. These are the things that we have in our backpack, you know, maybe a comment from, you know, an ex-member of staff or a really difficult interaction with a parent Mm -hmm. that has then slightly hampers the way we then next sort out an, a similar issue with another child. Mm. Yeah? So being curious and letting some of that stuff go, because some of that stuff is just really not, not us anymore. Mm. Some of the um, experiences that we had as children in school ourselves that we might hold on to as teachers that we need to let go of because they just don't. They're not. They're not work. They're not. They're not really useful anymore. Some of that learning is useful, but some of it is really not useful. Yeah. So being really curious mm-hmm. about who you are, who do you, who how you shop in the world, what labels do you hold about yourself? You know, in terms of your nationality, your culture, your mm-hmm. your gender. You know, who who is it who who is coming at, into the front of the classroom? And being confident about who you are in that curiosity piece supports you to be courageous, to be creative to use your community to bring about positive change for your group mm-hmm. it's called the change flywheel <laughs> oh, right, right. And, I, and i call it the change flywheel because there's a little bit of a momentum that builds up when you get into this cycle mm-hmm. you know the momentum for change is is powerful i would rather go with positive power than the negative yeah for sure that comes
0: and I mean, I could sit here and listen all day, <laughs> listen for hours, to, yeah, to hear you speak because I think this is so important and so and so. It's going to resonate with a lot of our listeners, and actually, it already has because I um, told our followers, our members, our listeners that we're having you on, and I said, "Have you got any questions?" Yes, they do, Sam. Yes, they do. So I'm going to put some questions to you from our listeners, and just to to share some advice on what they say. we've got Holly first she asks I would like to ask about regulation and resilience what are the links and how do you build
1: resilience when we act as regulators for our children who then regulates us okay so I think we've kind of answered that question already in our talk who regulates us we regulate us right we are in charge of our own resilience we both build our capacity for change. We are the ones who, who are, are looking for a, the ability to adapt. Where do we need to adapt? Mm-hmm. So absolutely, um, we regulate ourselves. And if you don't know to how to regulate yourself. If you don't know how to regulate yourself, you can come and talk to me. There you don't go. Come and to me. <laughs> there you go. Absolutely. You know, and actually, if, if any listener does want to come and talk to me, I have a, like a little calendar booking thing. People can come and talk to me for like 20 minutes and we'll just have a chat about what needs to happen if they want to work with me. Oh, wow. And then I can talk to them about that. But actually in that 20 minute chat, they'll definitely take stuff away. Then they can support, you know, use to support themselves. Um, and so there is definitely a link between regulation and resilience. You know that. The windy day, windy day experience. Come on, you all know this one. Oh, yes. Every child comes in. Whoa, flying high as a kite <laughs> and what do you do as a teacher you keep yourself super calm they take the calmness from you hopefully you are regulating them mm-hmm. so there is absolutely a link and vice versa when you're tired when you're snappy when you're cross because you haven't eaten properly and you come into to work they're going to pick that up so isn't it's so key that we work on our own resilience levels and the easiest way remember i said Work on your energy first. Good idea.
0: Yeah, and all the things, like you said, you've already covered. It's about the grounding, about the breath work, about Mm. taking that reflection time. These are all little things that we can do to support ourselves when we support others. Amazing. Thank you. Uh, Joe asks, hi, we are a school that has been through a tricky patch over the last few years. Changes to leadership and high staff turnover and lots of change. Therefore, we have lots of involvement from others and lots of observations. We all know that there are always ways to improve in schools, but the feedback is always lots of improvement points and not many positives. So how do we keep bouncing back from this? That's going to resonate with a lot of people, I think.
1: Mm. So, Joe, that sounds like a really tricky situation. And it's um, a scenario that I've been through. I, will, I went through many times in my um, life as a teacher and as also as a, as a head teacher. And I'm going to flag up this little book that hopefully Shana can put into the the uh, podcast notes yeah it's called the coaching habit say less ask more and change the way you lead forever now you're going to have all these people coming in and doing whatever they do doing their um, walk arounds and their book checks and their monitoring once they've gone okay first thing I'd say is once you're in that meeting and they've left the room I would get up and move (laughs) I'd probably get up and move maybe go as a team get up and move Walk around the school. Go to the loo. Get yourself a drink. Drink somewhere else. Maybe not even come back to that same room if you if if possible. But go somewhere else and just sort of sit and just just give yourself a moment because it's so all too easy to have all those those um, comments land in, and then you just sit and you just stew on them. Mm -hmm. Now, courage. Our courage sits in our guts. You know, our motivation sits in our guts. So we need to move our bodies. Yeah, we need to get up and move. We've forgotten the art of moving as, as, mm-hmm. as leaders. And then I'd go to these questions, use these questions. This book is a perfect book. Um, the author, Michael bungay Stania, distills the essentials of coaching into seven core questions. And I want you to use these seven questions as a, as, a, as a way to support you and your team. So once you've reconvened and you come back, and it might not even be that day. You, each of you could say, you know, what's on our mind? And then maybe share what whatever it is. Just get that out. What's on our mind? And what else? What's the real challenge here for us? Mm. What do we want? Mm-hmm. How can we help? If we're saying yes to this, what are we going to say no to? And what's the most, what's the most useful thing for us? So take back the power. Take back the power. Be more reflective. That question, if we are saying yes to this, what are we saying no to? Because there's often this um, layering and layering and layering and layering and layering of more and more stuff. and that's what breaks your back. Yeah. But what are we letting go of if, if we're now expected to do this? Yeah. And if, if we're, and if, if not letting go of, what can we tweak? Mm. What can we tweak so that we're doing mm. this? That's really important. Yeah. Take back the power through asking yourselves those questions. and I really hope Joe, that helps. Um, But this little book is is super cheap. And I think you can get it on some actually one of the groups I worked with recently. I'm pretty sure they said it's either free or like a pound. You know, there are times on on Kindle or audio books and things you can get it really cheap. So that's a good one. Amazing. Thank you.
0: Uh Fabia asks the atmosphere in my preschool is so good at the moment despite all the bad news everyone is working as a team and using communication to support everyone it's lovely how can we keep this going as things start to get tougher
1: okay so in terms of getting tougher maybe they maybe experience possibly waiting for an Ofsted maybe something else we talked about briefly touched on the white paper in our Mm. when we were warming up this morning Mm. you know there are things looming which are going to unsettle all schools budgets Mm -hmm. in terms of energy costs for schools I know that that's going to be a huge challenge Mm. you know in terms of gas and electric costs so if you've got to keep the school warm and most of your budget's going on this on that what what's left for us I'd go back to what I was talking to you about, what makes you a good team member? Because that sounds like you've got a fabulous team right now. You've got a fabulous team and people are supporting each other, but maybe you're not articulating it with each other. What is it that makes us such a great team? What are the qualities that we all bring? How are we going to harness this? Actually be explicit with each other. Mm-hmm. Because you're noticing it, Fabia, but maybe they people haven't actually, other people in your team might not have noticed this. So having those sorts of conversations,
0: really good. And last but certainly not least, uh, Lucy says, "I'm a room leader for a nursery, and with everything in the news at the moment, my team morale is really low. Is there anything I can do to support my team's well-being outside
1: of work?" That's a tough one as well. In terms of you know, you we can't be we're not in control. We're not in control of other people's well-being. It's a bit like behaviour. You know, mm. you can't change a child's behaviour. You can change your your own behaviour towards them. Okay. yeah yeah. you can put in those procedures and routines and structures to support them but in the end it's somebody's got to to support themselves mm-hmm. so in terms of well-being outside work putting some key boundaries I think will be quite a good one and some sort of finishing time so people do have time outside work mm-hmm. yeah
0: um,
1: yeah like you were
0: talking about those emails and not sending emails yes
1: yes so those procedures you know how are we going to support each other to build our own personal resilience. Mm. Um, I'll come back to the team bit in a minute, but the thing about the news, what's going on in the news, so, one, you know, heating overeating. you know, that's massive for, for yeah. so many people who work in school because you've got people who are not, you know, on very, very low wages, um, yeah. and they're, they're going to find it incredibly tough. Um, the war in Ukraine, huge. There's so many things I don't want to kind of list them because it's going to just take a take to take the tone down, but it is big. Yeah. So for me, I start with the most simplest thing is your heart. So a moment or, or when where if something really big hits, and it could be something like a safeguarding issue. You know, I know there's been a, a run of some really se- uh, serious case reviews that have hit the headlines with very very young children mm. um, being abused, murdered you know, all, all. you know what I'm talking about. Start with the heart, recognise that, that that is something that is actually incredibly unsettling for you and your team and do a minute of heart breathing, coherent breathing. And this is five out, five in, or six out, six in. So just just to regulate your breathing into a balance called balanced breathing, hand on your heart and try and imagine yourself breathing through your heart as you're doing it. Now, I have to do five because it's easier for me. Some people can can maybe do seven. It depends on on your lung capacity. But I imagine myself breathing through my heart and I think of somebody who or something that brings me great pleasure. And in that way, I'm regulating my autonomic nervous system because if something really stressful has happened, the two branches of our autonomic nervous system, my sympathetic nervous system has been triggered. And then when that's triggered, I'm going to go into fight or flight or freeze. I don't want that. So I want to get it back into balance. And that is the quickest way to to get myself into homeostasis, into balance. And then I can then switch on my prefrontal cortex and start my thinking, you know, what am I going to do about this? So start with heart breathing. The other thing you can do is just to do three breaths. If you can do three breaths when you're really stressed about something, that's good. That reminds you, takes you back to the, you know, and ground yourself, find your feet. Those are those are two simple body things that you can do. And then remember that compassion and our connection sits in our heart. So it's the small steps. Hope sits in our heart. Hope always triumphs over despair. So when you are, once you've done your balanced breathing, as a team, you could do this. What can we do? What small step again can we do to support? this particular issue even just recognizing what's going on in the world is might be enough and then you can go into maybe some of the more altruistic motives of you know cake sales bake sales what have you have to, to do fundraising or connecting with somebody in your community so pandora opened that box and all the evil things came into the world this is the story the old greek myth and what was left in the box is hope hope sits in our hearts Hope is what I want you to remind all early years leaders that hope is there always mm. you always have that hope that that child will stop biting. You will always have that hope that that child will you know finally learn the spot the letter of their name. You always have that hope that that child who always plays with the in the outside playground will one day come back to the book corner and open up a book. You know, hope is always there. So that's what I would like to kind of end up for you. Hope is key. Hold on to that. So Lucy, you need to build on hope. Yeah. Let's start with some coherent breathing.
0: Uh, that was amazing. I was actually just going to ask you, what would you, what one thing would you like the listeners to take away with? But you have already done that. What a beautiful, it's like my heart actually like it was like oh my gosh so beautiful at the end because it is isn't it and it's about holding on to that and i just think that's a really nice way to end and to to finish so thank you so much before we go though we're going to play a little game if you're up for it ooh, that sounds exciting you've spoken about some really 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 important issues uh and how and how to support yourself with that so i thought at the end we'll do a little fun game um it's called would you rather teach your edition <laughs> Okay, so this is some t- heart hitting okay, questions here, Sam. Okay. So, I'm ready. would you rather tea or coffee?
1: Neither. I gave up tea and coffee in 2018. Woohoo! Oh, well done. So I drink now rooibos tea, red mm. bush tea, and turmeric tea. Oh, very healthy. So this is yeah. kind of tea. That's kind of your It maybe. is kind a of tea. Bit. And, I, you know, as a Sri Lankan, I mean, giving up <laughs> tea was really, really hard, you know. <laughs> tea leaves are in my blood yes but it was very hard but it was necessary for me because I couldn't give up the sugar actually Mm. and I was having more sugar I was I was was exceeding my recommended daily amount of sugar in the (gasps) cups of tea that I had
0: I think we've all done that we've all done
1: (laughs) fabulous what about
0: this one this is this is a doozy this one would you rather run breakfast club or after school club
1: hmm I think realistically I'm going to go for after school club and if I, any of my ex-colleagues are listening they're going yeah yeah that's because <laughs> you just got in by the skin of your teeth Sam um yeah so after school club and actually I think I'd like after school club and I've got the sun coming in on my face right now end of the day when everybody's just kind of like just let's go a little bit the shoulders drop there's a nice calmness and a sort of kind of easiness about after school club uh, see i'm an early bird you see so i think it'd
0: always be breakfast club for me get everything done out of the way quick and then leave as soon as you can <laughs> um so last but certainly not least would you rather lead a school trip or a school performance
1: oh hard one because i quite like both but i think i'm gonna go with school trip because i absolutely love taking children out out of school um that whole curiosity piece, you know, finding out about the world, taking them out of their environment. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. I also found out so much more uh, new stuff for myself. You know, all those trips used to fill me with lots of bits of information about the Romans and, you know, <laughs> I do Kew Gardens or wherever it was I was taking them. Yeah. And I would always take children often used to take children on the tube. Um, and as an early years teacher myself, when I was first teaching, I would take reception year one and year two out on the tube regularly. It was fine.
0: <gasps> wow. That's I'm, my heart is having palpitations just at the thought of that.
1: <laughs> I never lost anyone.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, that a better person than I. Thank you so much for playing again. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, I, I, I can confidently speak on behalf of all of the listeners that it's just been amazing.
1: Well, I really enjoyed talking, talking, Sarah.
0: No, thank you. And before you go, tell us about your coaching. Where can people find you if this is something that they want to learn more about?
1: Okay, so my, my company is called Sun and Sky Coaching. So if you just do Sun and Sky Coaching, you'll find me that way. And I, I know that there'll be some links in the show notes as well. Yeah. Um, I do one-to-one coaching for any anybody really, a one-to-one coaching. Usually people work with me for about six months. I also do a course called Evolution. Evolution is a course for future leaders and it's really targeted. I've got it for corporates as well as for school, but for school leaders, I'm targeting people who are who've just moved into a phase leader role or a, or there's been some really significant churn and change in their school and many schools are like that and they haven't or they haven't had some professional development for a long time. You work with me over a period of about three months. So the current group I'm working with started with me on the 31st of January and they will finish their final training with me on the 25th of April. In between, so they do four training sessions and the training sessions are called um, inquiry, empowerment, engagement, and enrichment. They then have a coaching session in between, and I also teach them some coaching techniques. I kept this co- the cost of this course, and it is a really powerful course, really low for schools six hundred and fifty pounds. I know that sounds like oh, that sounds like a lot of money, but honestly, if you were going for coaching, you'd probably spend two for a good coach. You'd spend two hundred pounds an hour for for a good coach. Wow um so this is a really great package currently i've got um eight, pe- eight people on my course from three different schools a real range of um sort of experience and the best thing about this is that you will have somebody maybe in a year 6 key stage 2 lead working with an early years lead but you are sharing similar mm. things mm. and it's the, the 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 power of of sharing experience with other leaders which is really important amazing so my next one is launching in September (gasps) so I do this in September to Christmas and then from January to spring actually one more thing I do is also I do um, resilience workshops 100% do those for schools with resilience workshops I would do I would always do like two afternoons and there'd be a gap in between because people have got to do a little bit of their own work in between but Resilience workshops as well. Perfect.
0: Uh, it's been amazing. I, I know I've said it loads of times, but thank you so much, Sam, for coming and sharing your expertise. It's wonderful. And I'm sure we'll get to talk more soon. So thank you so much. And it's been an absolute honor to have you. <laughs> thank
1: you. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Guys, wasn't that just amazing? Honestly, I could listen to Sam talk for hours on end. And this is just a little snippet of her expertise and how she helps us as practitioners build resilience. So please go and check out all of the links. um, Get in contact with her. She is, I'm sure you will agree, is amazing. So that is it for today's episode. I really hope you have taken so much away from it. Get in touch. Let us know. What thoughts you have after listening to Sam, if you have any further questions and what what your takeaways are, because this podcast is for you and we really want to know if what we're doing is helping. And I'm sure you can agree that Sam has really shed a light on some really important things. So thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day and I'll see you next time. So that's it from today's episode. Thanks so much for listening and I hope you really enjoyed it. If you would like to get involved or would like to know more, come and find us on our social media sites. We have a Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest and TikTok account. All of the details will be in the description. And whatever you're doing, I hope you have a great day today.